0: Section thirty four of O Henry Encore by O Henry. This Libervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Watchman, what of the night? About the time that Alonzo bids his Melissa the fourteenth farewell at the garden gate, and Pater Familius calls angrily from his noisily raised window, there sets forth into the city a straggling army of toilers whose duties lead them into laborious ways while the great world slumbers more or less sweetly upon its pillow time was when all honest burghers were night and somnolent at an early hour and the silent streets knew naught but the echoing tread of the watchman who swung his lantern down the lonesome ways and started at his own loud cry of all's well but modern ideas have almost turned the night into day while we slumber at home hundreds are toiling that we may have our comforts in the morning the baker is at work upon our morning rolls the milkman is at his pump the butcher is busy choosing his oldest cow to kill the poor watchman is slumbering in a cold doorway the fireman is on the alert the drug clerk sits heavy-eyed prepared to furnish our paragoric or court plaster the telephone girl chews gum and reads her novels while the clock chimes wearily on the printer clicks away at his machine the reporter prowls through the streets hunting down items to go with our coffee and toast the policeman lurks at a corner ready to smash our best hat with his deadly locust these night workers form a little world to themselves they grow to know each other and there seems to be a sympathy among them on account of their peculiar life the night policemen and the morning newspaper men the cab drivers the street cleaners not referring to houston now the late streetcar drivers the all-night restaurant men the rounders the wienerwurst men and the houseless bums come to know and greet one another each night on their several regular or aimless rounds only those who are called by business or curiosity to walk into this night world know of the strange sights it presents at twelve o'clock the night in the city may be said to begin by that time the day toilers are at home and the night shift is on the street cars have ceased to run and the last belated citizen hurrying home from the lodge or the political caucus is or should be at home even the slow-moving couples who have been to the theatre and partaken of oysters at the cafe for ladies and gents have bowed to the inevitable and reluctantly turned homeward and now come forth things that flourish only in the shade white-faced things with owl-like eyes who prowl in the night and greet the dawn with sullen faces and the sunlight with barred doors and darkened windows here and there down the streets are arc lights and swinging doors and about are grouped a pale and calm-faced gentry with immaculate clothes and white flexible hands they are soft-voiced and courteous but their eyes are shifty and their tread light and cruel as a tiger's they are gamblers and they will rob you as politely and honestly as any stockbroker or railroad manipulator in christendom byron says the devil's in the moon for mischief not the longest day the twenty-first of june sees half the mischief in a wicked way as does three hours on which the moonshine falls and still worse a night when there is no moon to shine darkness is the great awakener of latent passions and the chief inciter to evil when night comes the drunkard doubles his cups the roisterer's voice is unrestrained even the staid and sober citizen the bulwark of civil and social government looses the check rein of his demeanour and mingles in the relaxations of the social circle the tongue of gallantry takes on new license and even the brow and lip of innocence itself invite admiration with a bolder and surer charm what wonder then that lawlessness 'er o'erreaches itself and sin flaunts her flaming skirts in the very face of purity when darkness reigns in the all-night saloons there is always someone to be found at little tables in the corners one can always see two or three worn and shady-looking customers sitting silent brooding over the wrongs that the world has dealt them or talking in low querulous tones to each other of their troubles a smart policeman with shining buttons and important step goes down the street twirling his club he tries the doors carefully of the big stores the wholesale houses and the jewelry stores to see if they are securely locked he never makes a mistake and wastes his time trying the fastenings of the small shops a few gay young men stroll by occasionally with their coat collars turned up laughing loudly and scattering slang in coarse jests down gloomy side streets steal a few dim figures clinging to the shadows walking with dragging shuffling feet down the inclined plane of eternity these are disreputable but harmless creatures who have stolen out to buy cocaine and opium with which to dull the bite of misery's sharp tooth in high windows dim lights burn where anxious love watches by the bedside of suffering mortality through the long night watches listening to the moans that it cannot quiet and wondering at the mysterious great plan that so hides its workings toward a beneficent end down by the bayou throb the great arteries of the town where all night long the puffing of steam and the click of piston-rods keep its life-streams moving where men move like demons in the red glow of furnace fires where snorting engines creep in and out among miles of laden freight cars and lanterns dance and circle amid a wilderness of tracks and shifting trains like big eccentric fireflies one can always see a few men perched on high stools at the all-night lunch counters they are for the most part members of the night working force telegraph operators night clerks railroad men messenger boys streetcar conductors reporters cab drivers printers and watchmen who drop in to drink a cup of coffee or eat a sandwich the night clerk at the drug store sees much of the sadness and some of the badness of life customers stray into the store at all times of the night the man with the disarranged attire and impatient manner is a frequent visitor he has a doctor's prescription for some sick member of his family and thinks it a greater blessing that he finds a store open and a clerk ready to compound his medicine than to be obliged to tug at a night bell for half an hour to wake up a sleepy clerk as in times gone by desperate looking men sometimes come in to buy poison generally morphine and occasionally a hopeless wretched woman with big eyes with hope deferred and an unpitying fate will creep in and beg for something that will stay the pain forever often in the darkest hour that they say comes before dawn a man will enter in a hurry buy a few pounds of prepared chalk and slip around the corner and drive away in a wagon containing two bright tin cans full of pure rich jersey milk in the infirmaries and hospitals, the nurses and genial-faced sisters of mercy bend over the beds of sufferers all through the dreary night and bring to many an aching heart as well as to pain-racked bodies consolation and solace. The doctors too see much of the seamy side of nightlife. They are out by day and by night. The telephone rouses them from warm beds at all hours. Whenever a knife flashes in a brawl, the doctor must be sent for if a lady feels a nervous fluttering of the heart out must come the carriage and he must be sent for to feel her pulse in the middle of the night often he watches at the bedside of some stricken wife or child while the husband is away roystering in evil company on a dry goods box sits a tramp gently swinging his feet it is two o'clock in the morning and there he sits chewing a splinter with a frequent side glance toward the policeman on the next corner what is he doing there nothing has he any hopes fears dislikes ambitions hates loves or desires very few it may be that his is the true philosophy john davidson says of him in a poem i hang about the streets all day at night i hang about i sleep a little when i may but rise betimes the morning scout for through the year i always hear aloud aloft a ghostly shout my clothes are worn to threads and loops my skin shows here and there about my feast like seaweed droops my tangled beard my tangled hair from cavernous and shaggy brows my stony eyes untroubled stare i know no handicraft no art but i have conquered fate for i have chosen the better part and neither hope nor fear nor hate with placid breath on pain and death my certain alms alone i wait and daily nightly comes the call the pale unechoing note the fate aha sent from the wall of heaven but from no ruddy throat of human breed or seraph seed a phantom voice that cries by rote this is a state closely bordering upon nirvana tennyson struck another chord that sooner or later most people come to feel when he said for not to desire or admire if a man could learn it were more than to walk all day like a sultan of old in a garden of spice the tramp sits out the weary hours of the night or else wanders in dreary aimlessness about the streets or crawls into some vestibule or doorway for a few brief hours of unquiet slumber he is a pitiful solution of life at its best for though he has acquired a numbness in place of what was once a keen pain it is directly contrary to the plan of the human mind to await in hopeless stolidity the certain alms of death one of the most important of the world's industries carried on at night is the making of the great morning daily newspaper. The average reader who unfolds his paper above his coffee cup in the morning rarely reflects that it represents the labour of half a hundred men, a great number of whom bend their lagging steps homeward only when the newsboy has begun to wake the morning echoes with his familiar cry. When the night comes, the editorial day force is ready for home the associated press wire is rattling in its messages from all parts of the world the telegraph editor is busy putting heads on the typewritten copy of the telegraph operator and the night editor has rolled up his sleeves laid his club handy and breathes a silent prayer for help to the goddess of invective as he begins to wade through his pile of missives from correspondence the state wires are open and the messenger boys are beginning to arrive with specials the city editor and his force are in and are busy writing out the local news from the notes they have taken during the day the phone rings a reporter seizes his hat and is off to get the item perhaps in a fray someone run over by a wagon a fire a hold-up or a burglary something that the good citizens must not miss as they eat their hash and muffins at breakfast the editorial room at night sees many strange characters and scenes people come up on all kinds of curious missions a citizen stumbles up the stairs and nearly falls into the room the force simply glances at him and keeps on working his hair is frowzled his coat is buttoned in the wrong buttonholes he wears no collar and in his blinking eyes a roguish twinkle strives to overcome the effects of loss of sleep He is a well known citizen, and the force marvels slightly at his unusual condition. He staggers over to the telegraph operator and clutches the railing around his desk. Shay, he says in a bibulous voice, what should the telegraph startlin news to the outside world? Cable em to Europe, and spread glad tidings to all civilized countries. Get some boltons out at once. The telegraph operator does not look up, and the gentleman tacks with difficulty and steers against the railroad editor.
1: What's yer doin'?
0: He says. Railroads, says the gentleman shortly. That's the thing. Got a biggest railroad item ever saw. Give you two COLUMNS, CAUSE tremendous excitement. Railroad circles. THE RAILROAD EDITOR WRITES CALMLY ON, AND THE VISITOR GIVES HIM A REPROACHFUL LOOK AND BEARS DOWN UPON THE CITY EDITOR. SHE FRIEND, HE SAYS, GOTS HER BIGGEST scrutin CITY NEWS WORLD EVER HEARD. KNOWS HER PAPER IN TOWN KNOWS IT. WHAT IS IT, SAYS THE CITY EDITOR WITHOUT TURNING HIS HEAD. A sensation IN FIRST WARD. SEND FOUR, FIVE REPORTERS MY HOUSE AT once." I am going back now. Had twins my house when left home Goin' back to see if any more arrived. Come back and let you know if find any. Shlong, gentlemen. Keep two columns on front page open, till get back. Later on three or four young gentlemen drop in. They speak low, and are courteous and conciliatory. They are well dressed, carry canes, and seem to have been out enjoying themselves one or two of them have torn coats and disarranged ties one has a handkerchief bound over his eye they confer deferentially with the city editor and certain words and phrases half caught tell the tale of their mission unfortunate affair police best families publicity not seriously hurt upper circles too much wine keep out names heated argument very sorry friends again comes the hot lunch man with his basket filled with wienerwurst and mustard ham sandwiches boiled eggs cold chicken the staff is too busy and he lugs his basket upstairs where the printers are at work a boy brings in a special telegram the night editor opens it and reads it and then springs to his feet he grasps a handful of his hair and kicks his chair ten feet away blankety 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 blank he yells listen to this it is a special by wire from a country correspondent this is what it says spring has opened here the birds are singing merrily in the trees and the peach trees are in full bloom the weather has moderated considerably and the farmers are hopeful the fruit crop will be assured unless we should have a cold snap sufficient to injure the buds blankety 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 blank remarks the night editor again and then his vocabulary failing to express his feelings he bites his cigar in two and sits down again a man in a seedy frock coat and a big walking cane saunters in and draws a chair close to the night editor's desk when i was with lee in the valley of virginia he begins i'm sorry you're not with him now says the night editor the visitor sighs borrows a cigar and a match and drifts out to see if he can get the ear of someone of a more indulgent temper between one o'clock and two o'clock the city editor and his assistants are through their work the railroad man turns in thirty and they troop away leaving the night editor to remain until the last in the composing room the printers have been working away since seven o'clock on their keyboards like so many padereuskies they quit about three thirty a m as the night editor leaves another army has begun its march these are the people who rise at two or three o'clock in the morning the mail clerks are preparing the papers for the out-of-town mails the newsboys are crowding around for their papers and abroad in the land are audible the first faint sounds of the coming day wheels are rattling over the dark streets the milkman is abroad and the butcher's cart is making its rounds policemen relax their vigilance and around the coffee stands is gathered quite a crowd of night workers who drop in for something hot before going home it is five hours yet before my lady arouses in her boudoir and hundreds of her slaves are astir in her service when she seats herself at ten at the breakfast table arrayed in becoming morning toilet she never thinks of her loyal vassals that have been toiling during the night to prepare her dainty breakfast miles away the milkman and his assistant rise at two o'clock to procure the milk for her tea the baker many hours earlier to furnish her toast and rolls and the newspaper she so idly glances at represents twenty-four hours continuous labor of the brainiest most intelligent courtly learned and fascinating set of men in the world the night editor stops perhaps to eat a light lunch at a stand and chat a few minutes with the night workers he meets there as he wins his way homeward he meets a citizen who has for once for some reason arisen at what seems to him an unholy hour of the morning good morning said the citizen what in the world are you doing up so early oh said the night editor we newspaper men have to rise real early in order to get the paper out by breakfast time to be sure to be sure says the citizen i never thought of that houston daily post sunday morning march twenty ninth eighteen ninety six end of section thirty four